said I was going to comment on the Republican uh, debates, and I'm going to do that. I realize that I am uh, a little bit late on the subject, but actually I'm not really. Because I'm going to tell you a couple of things, uh, my, my feelings on the Republican debates. And the first thing is, and the main thing is, that they don't matter. That's why I didn't comment on them earlier. I'm commenting on them now just because I need to get it out of the way. The Republican presidential debates that occurred just recently without Trump don't matter. The first reason that they don't matter is because Trump is going to be the nominee. Period. End of sentence. Barring some shenanigans... Trump is going to be the nominee. That's just the way it is. He is 37 points ahead, anywhere between 37 and 40 points ahead of everybody in the polls. So he's it, despite the fact that he is not the one that the establishment wants to be the nominee. He's the nominee. The Republican Party is currently in the throes, in the death throes, basically. Trump is, has wrested control of the Republican Party out of the hands of the establishment to the point where one of my other predictions is coming to fruition in that establishment Republicans are now saying that if Trump is the nominee, they are going to leave the Republican Party and go to the Democrat Party. Again, this is something that I predicted was going to occur. So, there is that reason why it is entirely unimportant as far as who won whatever debates. The second main reason that the debates don't matter is because it is my belief that the entire election the entire 2024 election doesn't matter. The entire federal government doesn't matter anymore. The entire federal government, the whole thing, has been largely dysfunctional for quite some time. And by dysfunctional, I mean that it has not been operating within its constitutional boundaries that's been going on for decades, but the way that it's been operating most recently, ever since the Obama administration and on, an argument could be made actually for uh, the Clinton administration, uh, perhaps the Bush administration actually, but either way, it's been operating outside of its boundaries. It is not a functional government. It has not been a functional government for quite some time. And now it is blatantly so. It is downright a criminal organization. Okay, it is it is 100% operating outside of the boundaries that were made for it by the Constitution of the United States. The type of government that is mentioned at the beginning of the Declaration of Independence is the type of government that is currently operating out of Washington D.C. It no longer matters. It is not functional. It is my belief that the 2024 election 
might not even happen at all. It is my belief that we will be looking at some very serious chicanery on the part of the establishment. Note that I am not saying on the part of the Democrats. I am saying on the part of the establishment because the establishment has basically shown their ass. And it is now very clear that there is really no difference between Republicans and Democrats. What's going on, basically, and what has been going on between Republicans and Democrats is very much the same thing as what goes on between uh, two rival sports teams. One rival sports team might be from a certain city and have a very solid and, and, and vociferous fan base, and then another sports team uh, is going to be completely opposed to that first sports team from another city with an even meaner fan base. And when they go up against each other, there's a lot of hype in the media and a lot of tickets are sold and a lot of merchandise is sold and they make a lot of money. But when it comes right down to it, both teams play for their professional league. The Steelers, and I know this shows how old I am, but when I was growing up, it was the Steelers against the Cowboys. I was a die-hard Steelers fan. The Cowboys were my mortal enemies. But when it comes right down to it, the Cowboys and the Steelers both work for the NFL. And when it comes right down to it, the NFL gets the money. The same thing has been going on between the Republicans and the Democrats. They've got their fan bases and the media whip up both sides, but when it comes right down to it, they're both playing for the establishment. Both members of both teams are making their millions, and we are paying for it. This establishment, which is made up of both parties, despite the fact that they appear to be two different teams. They are playing us against each other. Now, I'm not saying that Democrats don't have Democrat beliefs and Republicans don't have Republican beliefs. What I'm saying is that the Democrats and Republicans do not hold the same beliefs as their voter bases. Now, they talk a good game. Both of them talk a good game. And they go at each other on social media, and they go at each other on the news media, on the establishment news media. And yes, that includes Fox News. Fox News is just as much a part of it as CNN and MSNBC and all of the rest of them. But when it comes right down to it, the politicians, the members of the Republican Party, the members of the Democrat Party, they see their job as fleecing we, the people of the United States, both Democrats and Republicans, as creating crises, or I'm sorry, crises, creating crises, and then fighting over which ways to solve them, and then always ending up taking more and more of our tax dollars and using those tax dollars to increase their own power and their own wealth and never, ever, ever solving the crises, you see, because if they solve the crises, 
then they can't fleece us for more money. That's the game that they have been playing for a long, long time. And that's the game that we have been buying into for a long, long time. And it was actually Trump that came along and exposed them for what they were. And they attacked him mercilessly for it and still are attacking him mercilessly, mercilessly for it. And now comes the next and most unfortunate part of my predictions, a prediction which I made last month, I believe it was, that they cannot allow Trump to win. Trump is most definitely, if it is allowed to go off without a hitch, going to win the Republican nomination. There is no question about that. It doesn't matter how many of these debates that they hold with their, uh, with their all the same establishment candidates. Doesn't matter how many debates they hold. The people of the Republican Party are not going to buy into it, not even a little bit. Every single one of those other candidates, with one possible exception, Vivek Ramaswamy, every single one of these other candidates, they're all the same. They're all the same. They're all part of the establishment. And they're all thrown out there. Slightly different flavors, but they all mean the same thing. Doesn't matter which one of them gets elected, doesn't matter. They are going to do the will of the establishment because they belong to the establishment. They are all part of the club and they all want to maintain their millions and their power over we the people. So... It doesn't matter if it's a woman, it doesn't matter if it's a man, it doesn't matter if they're black, it doesn't matter if they're white, it doesn't matter. They're all part of the same, they're all the same thing. They are all going to continue this illegal war in the Ukraine, they are all going to continue talking about the sham that is COVID, the sham that is uh, the environmental movement, global, whatever it happens to be called this week, they're all going to be part of that. And they're all about stealing money from we the people, money and power. So it doesn't matter. Vivek Ramaswamy is the one possible, one possible outlier in that group. Because they are going after him, just after the debate, it was very clear that he ran away with it and that the people like him and he won that debate. When it comes, when it's right down to it, Vivek won the debate. Because again, everybody else is the same thing, just different flavors. Same poison, just different flavors. But Vivek stood out. Now, some people are now saying that he's a plant. Some people that he, say that he's, he's pandering to conservatives and, and trying to make himself stand out. And other people are pointing to how he appeared in a, uh, a Democrat video uh, years and years ago at some kind of town hall. And 
all of those points are valid points. The thing that's causing me to question them is the fact that they came out after the debate, that he clearly won, which indicates to me that that's just the media trying to torpedo him. That's what that tells me. I think Vivek, very consciously and very smartly, is actually running for the vice president spot because he's the only one of those candidates who has not attacked Trump. He's the only one who has remained loyal to Trump. Now, on to Trump. They've thrown everything they can at him at this point, except jailing him. They know what would happen if they did jail him, and they might even try that still. Their next move appears to be that they're going to try, and this isn't going to go very far at all, but they're going to try to throw this obscure uh, constitutional amendment at him, saying that anybody who has uh, raised up arms or fomented rebellion against the United States can be barred from holding public office. And you've got these pundits, handful of pundits, who are out there saying, oh yeah, it doesn't say anything in there about having been uh, convicted of doing so. So all it will take is just uh, saying uh, an accusation that they did it. And just based on the accusation, we should be able to bar him from public office. Folks, that's not the way that the United States works. You cannot be said to have led a rebellion against the United States unless there's actually proof of that happening. Just accusing somebody of doing that is not enough. They want it to be enough, but it's not enough. And given the fact that they don't have any evidence of that, they actually have the opposite of that, where the FBI has investigated these accusations against him and found that there was no basis whatsoever to even accuse him of an insurrection. That, that is right there enough. You cannot deprive a person of their rights under the Constitution, without due process of law, period, end of sentence. This is not yet a Soviet state, although it is becoming so. Um, the Again, as I said, the federal government is no longer functional. It is not truly, it is not truly the United States government anymore. It is entirely a criminal organization a criminal enterprise. It is extraordinarily ironic that Trump is being charged under uh, RICO statutes with absolutely no basis whatsoever, but that's a different discussion. 
Um, and the people who are charging him under RICO statutes are the ones who are actually operating a criminal organization. But I digress. They've thrown everything that they can at Trump, barring throwing him in jail. Even if they throw him in jail, he's not going to stay there. If they throw him in jail, there will be a general uprising, without question. Things are going to get really bad really fast. What they're going to try to do next, because this, this 14th, I think it's 14th Amendment thing is not going to work, barring him, and, and they're also trying to get various uh, attorneys general from removing him from the ballot in certain states, but that's not going to work very well because the only states in which that will work are states that he would lose anyway. So that's not going to be overly effective either. So they have a couple of other options. One, which I suggested a month or so ago, is that they assassinate him. Not that they attempt to assassinate him, that they assassinate him. Because, folks, the reality is that if this establishment wants somebody dead, that person will be dead. If anybody wants somebody else dead and is motivated enough and has the wherewithal and has the money or connections or power or whatever... If they're motivated enough, then that other person will be dead. There is, there is not an organization on the planet that can protect somebody indefinitely, especially if that particular organization happens to be part of a Department of Justice that has been politicized and is owned by the opposition party. So yes, Trump's assassination, unfortunately, for the other side, is very much on the table, and they are not above it whatsoever. And if it happens, they will be the ones to scream loudest, how could this possibly happen? Ha, ha, ha. But if that happens, folks, everybody's going to know how and why it happened, just the way everybody knows what happened to Epstein and why. So that's... Very much a possibility, but that's the very last possibility. They don't want to do that because they know what's going to happen if it does. Instead, what I expect is going to happen. They already floated a balloon to try to see if this concept would take, and that would be to declare another pandemic emergency. They're going to do that anyway, but they wanted to see how, how hard it would take, you know, how much traction it would get, and the answer is not much. They'll be able to get their lockdowns in places like New York and places like California and, and, and in other blue states. They'll be able to get their lockdowns to a certain extent. But it's not, they're not going to be able to lock down the whole United States. Because one of the things they want to do, of course, is they want to interrupt the electoral process. At the very least, they want to interrupt the electoral process. And they won't be able to do that in red states. It's just not going to happen. The next thing that they would want to try to do, if it gained enough traction, would be to declare a state of emergency such that they could suspend the elections, just suspend them temporarily for a period of time, 
until such time as they could expand their machine or federalize the elections. If they could expand their machines into large enough counties in red states, like they did in Arizona, then they would be able to steal the entire states, and then they wouldn't have to worry about anything. So that's one of the things that they were looking to do or would be looking to do if the COVID thing got traction, but the COVID thing is not getting traction. So very unfortunately, the next crisis that they are going to have to foment is the war in Ukraine. They're going to have to make it worse. So what they're going to have to do is they're either going to have to directly go to war, the United States and Russia, or they could do it with Taiwan between the United States and China. They could declare an emergency, and this would not be without false flag. They would also have to stage an event within the United States, very much like they did with 9-11. And the prevailing theory is that this event is going to be an attack on the power grid in the United States, coming in the form of a cyber attack, perhaps. But it might have to be something even more uh, dramatic in order to get the people of the United States behind them. And while they're doing it, they might as well throw in that, be it Russia or China, whoever does this false flag attack against the United States, would be helped by MAGA people to try to turn the ire of the people of the United States against Trump supporters. If they do this, it would have very much the same effect as jailing Trump or assassinating Trump. And that would be a split within the United States. Which leads me to my final point as to why this Republican debate was completely and utterly unimportant. Again, I really believe that the 2024 election is not going to go off without a hitch. It's just not going to happen. There is going to be something big happening to disrupt it in some way, shape, or form, such that it is either stolen or completely done away with. And the national divorce that I've been talking about for some time is finally going to get rolling. So that's what I have to say about the Republican debate. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because if, if the election goes off without a hitch, and that could happen, it absolutely could happen. That is a possibility. If it goes off without a hitch, Trump is going to be the nominee. So it, it doesn't matter. And none of these other people matter at all. Trump is going to be the nominee. And if it goes off without a hitch... Trump is going to be the next president. And then the national divorce will be delayed for a little while. But not permanently, I have a feeling. But again, the further out you go, the, the wider the possibilities of what could happen uh, expand. 
but I fully expect that there is going to be some kind of shenanigans or something that is going to either uh, steal or disrupt the 2024 election. And upon its theft or disruption, the uh, eventual separation, divorce of the United States is going to occur. And then once again, to reiterate myself, the way that's going to happen is that the red states are going to drop off, uh, likely Texas being the first, Oklahoma the second is what I expect, and then so on and so forth. And it's going to traverse up the center of the country through the Great Plains, and it's going to go across the Gulf states. And and that's going to be the way it is. And there's going to be a lot of saber rattling on the par- part of Washington, D.C., but they're really not going to be able to do anything about it. And there's going to be a lot of... Uh, a lot of economic upheaval for a while in certain places. In Texas, it's not going to be that bad. And those states that throw in with Texas, it's not going to be that bad. The Gulf states, it's not going to be that bad. Um, But the more red states that break off, the worse it's going to be for the blue states. And eventually, red counties are going to start breaking off from blue states and joining red states and it's going to get worse and worse for blue counties and then blue cities, and uh, it's going to go along from there. Um, and again, as as we get further out from where we are now, the the cone of possibilities of what could happen widens. It's a lot like uh, those hurricane maps where we know where the hurricane is right now, and we have an idea of its general direction. And it could go this way, and it could go this way, and it could go right down the middle. And so we've got this cone that is ever-widening as far as the possibility of where that particular hurricane could go. And that's pretty much the way it is with with trying to predict the future. But as the hurricane gets closer and closer, we have a better idea of the track that it is taking So, there you go. That's my long-winded take on the uh, Republican debates, what the Republican debates mean, in that they mean pretty much nothing, and why they mean pretty much nothing, in my humble opinion. I want to thank you all for listening. If you like what you heard, hit the like and subscribe button down below, and share this video out there to those of you, or to those people who you think might enjoy it, or those people who you think might be annoyed by it. Um, you can get my videos on uh, bitshoot.com, rumble.com, and odyssey, O-D-Y-S-E-E.com, and you can get my podcast, The Doc Bryant Show, anywhere you can get podcasts except for Apple, because I will not fill out their paperwork. You can also reach me if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or hate mail. Reach out to me at Doc Bryant Show, all one word, Doc Bryant Show at Zoho, Z O H O, mail.com. That's Doc Bryant Show at Zoho, mail.com. I want to thank you all again for listening, and I will talk to you all later. Going to church makes you a Christian, the same way standing in a garage makes you a car. There are a lot of people out there 
who think that because somebody goes to church, attends church regularly, that person is a good person. There are a lot of people out there who think that because they themselves go to church regularly or fairly regularly, because they follow the rules of the church, because they follow the traditions of the church, that that makes them a good person or that that makes them saved. There are some people out there who think that because somebody has devoted their entire lives to the profession of being a preacher or a minister, because they have gone to theology school, because they have gone to seminary and studied the Bible and studied theology for many years, because they earned a degree that gives them the right to put initials after their names, that that person is saved, that that person is a good person, and that that person knows God more and better than anybody else, and is therefore somebody who should be listened to. The Bible, however, tends to disagree. As I said in the opening, going to church makes you a Christian the same way standing in a garage makes you a car. I'm telling you this for a couple of reasons. First off, for those out there who are saying, well, this person I listen to is the pastor of this big church or is a priest or has a theological degree or is a politician that goes to church on a regular basis and does not burst into flames when he does so. So that means that this is a good person, that this is a person who should be listened to, that should be followed. I'm going to poke holes in that right now. But I'm also telling you this because there are those of you out there who actually care about this subject. The people who I just talked about, the people who are, are pointing to their politician or their priest or their preacher or whomever and saying, oh, see, he, he must be a Christian and so we have to do what he says or we have to follow his lead because he goes to church regularly or because he's got this. Those people are not really concerned with the truth. I'm just telling this to poke holes in their argument. But this is going to serve also to alert several people out there who are actually interested in the truth and who want to know how to be saved and who want to know whether they're saved. This is going to lead you to the truth that you are interested in. One thing to look for, first of all, whenever you are uh, referencing whether or not somebody's a Christian and whether or not what they said 
is consistent with Christianity, one of the first things you need to look at is, are they referencing the Bible? If yes, the second thing you have to look at is, are they referencing the Bible correctly? Those are two big important things. We are going to reference the Bible on this particular subject right now. The first story is from Luke chapter 8. And this is a story that has been told frequently. But I want to point out the details here, just so that you understand the point that I'm trying to get to. So here we have Luke chapter 8, and we're going to start in verse 40. And Jesus is slowly making his way towards Jerusalem. And as he's making his way towards Jerusalem, he is, of course, running into very many people who have heard about him and they want to see him. And this is the guy that does miracles and, and all this kind of stuff. And many, many, many of these people are, uh, the closer he gets to Jerusalem, especially because of the date that is coming up, they're getting excited because this guy is the Messiah. This is the guy that we were told about in uh, in in all of the uh, uh, all of the prophecies to include Daniel. And and so if this guy is the Messiah, then he's the one that is going to lead us in victory over uh, the Roman Empire and our oppression. And he's the one that is going to. Uh, sit on the throne of David, and he's the one that's going to rule over the entire world. And all of these things are true, but the things that they don't understand is not yet. You see, there's other parts of those prophecies that have, that were specifically in, and intentionally ignored by their spiritual leaders, these same spiritual leaders who had their degrees, as it were, they studied at the feet of these other great spiritual leaders who were also doing the same thing in intentionally misinterpreting the scriptures. And, and if not intentionally misinterpreting the scriptures, then looking at passages of scripture that they didn't understand and not looking any deeper into them because they were afraid of what they might find. So the vast majority of these people who are crowding around Jesus and expecting him to be this Messiah are expecting him to be a Messiah that was never promised and would not exist in the way that they wanted him to. So that's one of the things that you have to understand is these people had expectations and beliefs about Jesus of Nazareth that simply weren't true. They wanted him to do stuff for them. And the stuff that he, they wanted him to do was not stuff that he was there to do. It was not his mission, which is one of the reasons why later when he is being held up in front of them and asked, who should I release? Jesus or Barabbas, the vast majority of the people shouted out that they wanted Barabbas released because Jesus was a great disappointment to them. At any rate, I digress, but that explains why all of these people were showing up. It's not because they believed that he was the Messiah he was supposed to be. They believed he was a Messiah that was never promised. 
but they did know that he had the capacity for doing miracles. Lots and lots of people had seen that. There wasn't any question about that whatsoever. If you look even into the rabbinical writings of the time, you go back and look at the rabbinical writings of the time, they will admit that Jesus was doing miracles. They simply attribute it to that he was doing these miracles through the power of Satan. But that is the enemy attestation right there, that, that Jesus was going around doing miracles, miracles that they could not explain. So here we go. Luke chapter 8, verse 40, 40. And as Jesus returned, I'm, I'm uh, speaking from the uh, New American Standard Bible, the NASB. And as Jesus returned, the people welcomed him, for they had all been waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, or Jairus, I'm sorry. And he was an official of the synagogue. And he fell at Jesus' feet and began to implore him to come to his house for he had an only daughter, about twelve years old, and she was dying. But as he went, the crowds were pressing against him. There's a lot of people interested in seeing Jesus, and there's a ton of them, and so they're pushing, and everybody wants to get close. I want to see him. I want to see him. And a woman who had a hemorrhage for twelve years and could not be healed by anyone came up behind him. This is extremely important for those of you who do not understand Jewish law. This hemorrhage that they are talking about is, yes, from her womanly parts. She had basically uncontrolled menstruation. She had almost constant bleeding from that particular area, and it could not be healed by any of the doctors that were there. The reason that this is a big problem in Jewish culture is because women during the time of their period are considered ceremonially unclean, which means she could not participate in Jewish culture, which means that she was poor. Nobody would marry this woman. Nobody would do commerce with this woman. She was one of those who were on the fringe of society because she had this uh, hemorrhaging problem, basically constant, uh, constantly bleeding. <clears throat> so she was in desperate need of healing, and she was very, very desperate to be healed so that she could become part of Jewish society and, and so that she could become ceremonially clean. Verse 44, came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak, and immediately her hemorrhage stopped. Verse 45, and Jesus said, who is the one who touched me? And while they were all denying it, oh, it wasn't me, it wasn't me, it wasn't me, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing in on you. Everybody's touching you. What do you mean, who touched you? Everybody's touching. Look at this crowd. We're like bumper cars in here. Verse 46, But Jesus said, Someone did touch me, for I was aware that power had gone out of me. When the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, she came trembling and fell down before him. 
and declared in the presence of all the people the reason why she had touched him, and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her daughter, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. There's a lot in this story. Culturally, theologically, there's a whole lot in this story. But what I want to point out, the things that I want to point out here, are that there were a bunch of people bumping into Jesus. There were a bunch of people uh, physically touching him. But only one person received power from him. And the difference between all of the rest of those people and that woman was the fact that she had faith that if she just touched the hem of his garment, as the old song goes, that she would be healed. She had faith in Jesus. And the rest of them were just, were just there to see a show. And because she had faith, she received his power. She received healing from him. And that's the first story. So, again, bunch of people around, bumping into Jesus, touching Jesus. But only one of them received his blessing. Only one of them actually had faith in him. Same thing can be said for all of these people who go to church. Just because you go to church does not make you saved. Same thing can be said for people who go to seminary and study to become priests or preachers or whatever. If they go to church, if somebody goes to church but does not have real faith in Jesus... They're not saved. If somebody goes to church their whole lives and follows all of the rules of the church and and does all of the sacraments and, and follows all of the traditions that were set down by men and not God, they are not saved. If someone goes to seminary and becomes a priest or a preacher, if they get their, their doctorate in theology... It does not make them saved. It doesn't make them saved. Next thing we want to look at here, another well-known story. This time we're going to Matthew. And this is Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Excuse me. Verse 21 Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. 
And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. There are going to be a lot of people who are going to be surprised when the time comes for the sheep to be gathered on his right and for the goats to be gathered on his left. And they're going to be surprised when they are gathered with the goats. And they're going to say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we heal people in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? And he is going to say to them, truly, I tell you this, I never knew you. I want you to look at the two sides of this particular equation. All right. If we're looking at math, when we look at math and we're doing math, an equation means that what's on one side has to equal what's on the other side. And in this case, these are two different things that all equal up to the same thing. They say, didn't we do this for you? Didn't we do that for you? Didn't we do this other thing for you? And his answer to that is, I never knew you. Please note, they are saying the things that they consider to be important when it comes to salvation. The things that they say, that they think in their heads, are going to attain them entrance into the kingdom of heaven. And note that all three things that they mention have one thing in common, and that is that they themselves are doing stuff. We did this, we did that, we did the other thing. Thinking, this is what equals the kingdom of heaven. His response is what he says gets somebody in to the kingdom of heaven. And that is, I never knew you. Now, if we look, which we will, at what he means by that statement. Let's take a look. Where did I put it? <coughs> Excuse me. The word that he uses to know, I never knew you, is the Greek word ginosko. Ginosko means to come to know something, to recognize something, to perceive something, to come to know something, or in this particular case, someone. That means a relationship. To recognize a person, to come to know something or somebody, is to get to know them. 
these people at the beginning, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this? Didn't we do that? That's what they think gets them into the kingdom of heaven. It's stuff that we do. We did this. We did that. And he is answering them. What you said, those things that you did, that you said you did, equals zero when it comes to getting into the kingdom of heaven. I am answering you from the standpoint of what will get you into heaven, which also equals zero when it comes to getting into the kingdom of heaven, and that is I never knew you. Folks, being a Christian is not about what you do. If there was anything that you could do to get into heaven, if there was any behavior that would get you into heaven, if there was anything that you could avoid doing that would get you into heaven, then we would not need Christ. You have to understand this. It is not something that you do, because if it was something that you could do, if it was works that could get you into heaven, then you could potentially, theoretically, earn your way there. But that's not what it is. It is a relationship with your Savior, the only one who can get you into heaven. All right? And again, we point out, Jesus is not one way to get into heaven. All right? He is the way to get into heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Not a way, a truth, and a life. He said, the truth, the way, the life. And then he cemented it with no man, meaning mankind, no person comes to the Father. No person gets into heaven but by me. So all of this garbage about there are many ways to God is simply not true. It is simply not true. Now, again, those of you out there watching this who are now pulling out your hair and, you know, gnashing your teeth and, and, and cursing at me and, you know, going nuts and screeching, you don't have to watch this. You go somewhere else. If you're not interested in this, then by all means, do not listen to this. I am not going to run around chasing people down and grabbing them by the collar and going, Do you know Jesus? I want you to know Jesus. I want you to be saved. I want you to be saved. I really do. I want you to know Jesus. I really do. But I'm not going to chase you down and force feed you this stuff. So if you don't like what I'm saying, there's just a ton, just a ton of other channels on whatever venue you happen to be watching me on that will have stuff that you like to watch. So just go elsewhere. You don't have to do that. And this is something that, and, and now, oh, I've got a bunch of other Christians out there and they're screeching ree, ree, ree about, you're supposed to, you're supposed to tell everybody and you're supposed to make sure that everybody's converted and stuff like that. No, no, no. And you will not, you will not find that anywhere in the Bible. 
oh, independent Baptists and Southern Baptists and all those of you out there who think that the number of people you so-called convert actually amount to something? Oh, look at you preaching in his name. Look at all the things you're doing for him. Isn't that interesting? No, no, my friend, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that we are to preach the gospel. It doesn't say that we are supposed to grab people by the scruff of their neck and say, you're coming to church with me. No. You're supposed to tell the truth. That's all you're supposed to do. And there will be people around you all the time. And I'm telling you, the vast majority of them will not want to hear it. And the vast majority of them might want to argue it with you. And in that case, you do need to be able to, to defend your beliefs. But it is not our job to convert people. That's not our job. That is not our job. No, it's not. No, it's not. Our job is to preach the gospel. It is the job of the Holy Spirit to convert people. And there are only a certain amount of people who are actually looking for the truth, who are actually interested in the truth. You will never, you will never read the Bible and find Jesus chasing people down. Never. You will never look in the Bible and find Paul chasing people down. Or any of the other apostles. Never. Will you find that occurring? Jesus preached. People came to him. Paul preached. And people came to him. Usually to kill him. Same thing across the board. You will never find stories of Jesus or Paul or Peter or any of the other apostles chasing people down going door-to-door, banging on their doors. You will not find that. They preached the gospel. People listened. Some of those people were saved. Look at the story of of the, the person who spread out the seeds. He spread the gospel. Some people it took root. The rest of them it did not for various reasons. But the vast majority of people, it did not. It is not your job to convert people. Likewise, it is not my job to convert people. It is my job to tell people the truth. And that's what I'm doing here. Thankfully, I have this venue and other venues to do it in. Speaking of this venue and other venues, if you have any questions about this, if you want to argue with me about this, I'm okay with that too. I actually love a good discussion. Hit me up in the comments. Uh, now, if your comments are, are, are going to be ad hominem or any other logical fallacies, then you, know, you can go ahead and put them up there. I'm not going to respond to them. If your comments, however, are intellectually based, if you actually have questions about what I said, I'll answer them. Absolutely will answer them. But I can pretty much guarantee that the vast majority of uh, negative comments or questioning comments or disagreeing comments that I get are just going to be stupid insults. And, you know, stupid insults come from stupid people, and I don't argue with stupid people. 
because it's a waste of time. Those are people who don't want to know the truth. And if you don't want to know the truth, again, like I said, there are plenty of other channels out there. Go find the Tom and Jerry channel or whatever will will entertain you for the next however long you want to be scrolling through. Uh, I have no interest in, in you and you have no interest in me. So we can go ahead and part ways. If, however, again, you have an even longer question that won't fit in the comments, you can email me at docbryantshow, all one word, docbryantshow, at zohomail.com, Z-O-H-O-Mail.com. docbryantshow at zohomail.com. I am hardly ever active on social media anymore. I'm finding it more and more to be a complete waste of time. Um... My videos, you can catch my videos on rumble.com, bitshoot.com, odyssey.com, O-D-Y-S-E-E.com, and on TikTok. And you can get my podcast, The Doc Bryant Show, anywhere you can get podcasts. I want to thank you for listening, and I will talk to you all later.